Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. And welcome back. We are excited to be here to have another discussion about the Word of God and topics that pertain to to everyday life. So we're going to pick our topic. We've got number four on the list, and this is this is a bit of a bit of a wild card here. This is the first time this has happened here on Accessible Theology. Uh, I get to pick a book of the Bible, and Michael is going to summarize it for us. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah and and I, I just I just want the world to know that, that this is a topic that Michael himself put on the list. So... Yeah, we're leave it on there. We're <laughs> all 66 books. Yes. So all 66 randomly generated nope. uh, from our list of, of topics here. But anyway, uh, I, I would love for you, Michael to summarize for us uh, the book of Colossians. I know that uh, this is this is a book that you've recently studied, and in some of our, our were they quarantine walks when you yeah, were taking? Was, yeah, that was, yeah. was a couple months ago now, but um, I remember just, just some of those walks that we were talking about your study of the book of Colossians, and I like I, st- I still remember some really helpful things from that. So I would love for you to to tell more people about that. So uh, we're gonna start the three minute timer, and Michael will summarize it, and then we'll just have some some further conversation about the Book of Colossians. So you ready? All righty. So Michael, your time starts now. Right, so the book of Colossians, uh, the great theologian, I believe he was in, um, in the Middle Ages, Lightfoot, his last name was, he once said that the book of Colossians is the smallest and most disparate church that's written to in the New Testament, and Paul writes in it this most supremely high cosmic Christology. So it's really neat. In many ways, Colossians is a letter that was supposed to be circulated amidst all the churches that it was supposed to go around. And what we find in this church in Colossae is that Paul is combating the heresy of what we would call proto-Gnosticism. This is a fancy word. Proto, Basically, Gnosticism is the belief that all material matter is somehow inherently evil because they believe some demigod created the world and did it through angels, and these angels somehow infected the world and so what they believe then is that knowledge is the highest of all possible attainments in life. And that what is sinful is your body. And that what's sinful is the things of this world. And Paul blows this ridiculous concept of smithereens. And he says things like the fullness of God dwells bodily in Jesus. Mm. So he is going right to the heart of Gnosticism. Yeah. He is saying, you think there's a problem with material, material matter? The Son of God took on material matter. Mm. If you if you That's think right. that there's something wrong with the flesh, then how could God have taken on flesh without sinning? Yeah. And so he's going right to the heart of this heresy. Further, 
He uses phrases such as the elementary doctrines of the world. He also calls out proto-gnostics. He, he calls them basically an inflated ego with zero substance. He says <laughs> that they have this inflated mind of themselves, but they have nothing in it. They're airheads, essentially, floating around. And so he says with these empty notions in their head in chapter two. And he says then that though they have these high-minded ideals, they have no substance. They're lacking, but God fully dwells in Jesus and that in his body, the fullness of deity is had. And then he continues then to show how unlike this empty philosophy of the world, Christians have everything required for salvation in Christ. And then he concludes by giving, he calls the Colossians to holiness and to live in light of who they are in Christ. He specifically tells them to avoid this terrible, damnable doctrine of asceticism, which is where he talks about the end of chapter two, where he essentially is saying that not getting married, not eating things, all of these, they might have a faux wisdom to them, a fake wisdom, but in reality, all they are are fleshly indulgence because all they do is tickle your flesh and make you think you're holy when you have nothing. And so he calls them then to keep their minds and their and their thoughts on Jesus Christ, who is the fullness of God dwelling in bodily and I'm gonna conclude there, and we can talk. About All right, that was that was three minutes, so you have to conclude there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it would be longer than 15 minutes, yeah. but uh, so that that was helpful. That that was a good overview of of some of the uh, themes and topics that we see within the book of Colossians. Uh, so let me ask you: Are there are there any verses in particular? that you would point to as summary of the theme or, or like main points of the entire book? Any verses in particular you'd point to? Uh, there's a couple. I would say, I think the main point, if I had one verse for the whole book, mm -hmm. I would say it is Colossians 127, mm -hmm. where he says that, um, I'll just start in verse 26 to fill it out. It says, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what the wealth of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles is, the mystery that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. So I think that all of Paul's theology fills, the, if you could kind of crystallize it down to its kernel, this is what it is. It is yeah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yeah. Yeah, I would also say key verses to consider in Colossians. Then um, another massive one is going to be Colossians two nine, where it says, "For in Him, in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form." As I pointed out earlier, mm. uh, significantly important is to point out uh, two fourteen, having canceled the certificate of debt consistent decrees against mm. us, which were hostile to us, that He has taken it out of the way. Jesus did nailing it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And there's some massive verses here. Yeah. And we haven't even talked about Colossians 1, 15 through 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him. I mean, this yeah. book is a powder keg of theology. Yeah. It points to so many verses. I mean, it, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, but particularly 1. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, or we could say since you have been raised with Christ, yeah. keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Mm. We could spend the rest of our lives doing that, and we'd be good. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if we just had that one verse to live up to. So, um, I, I don't know if maybe you feel the same way, um, but 
you've made it very clear Colossians is a very important book and has a lot of a lot of uh, themes that are crucial for the everyday life of a Christian. Um, but it doesn't seem to get like the same weight as say like Ephesians, like, like everybody and their brother has preached through Ephesians, but not necessarily Colossians. Uh, would you, would you agree with that and, or disagree? And I think it depends on the context yeah. you're in. Um, Colossians and Ephesians are very close together. If yeah. you're familiar with both books, there's almost there's times where the verses are almost exactly the same. So mm-hmm. Paul clearly wrote these books about the same time. Yeah. Uh, the both Colossians and Ephesians are prison epistles. Yeah. That would have been written. So Paul would have written these uh, when he was in prison at one point, and it seems that he probably wrote these at the same time and had them sent out to different areas. Mm-hmm. Um, Colossians is more specific. Ephesians is often preached more simply because it's more of a generic letter mm-hmm. that isn't addressed to specific people. So it actually, in many ways, applies to the whole church. No yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why it gets it worse. Okay. Colossians okay. specifically dealing with something that's happening in yeah. Colossians, so it might not be as directly right. um, applicable to any church. Yeah, yeah. So, so the letter itself is a little more uh, specific, yeah. and Ephesians tends to... It's a general circuit letter. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, it was intended to go to every church and be applied. In any right, right, right. So, um, before we move on to some some other more practical questions, what what would you say? Um, maybe give give an apologetic for preaching through the Book of Colossians, or or give us some reasons why you think that would be a good thing for uh, a local church to do. I believe the book of Colossians, maybe more than any other book outside of possibly Hebrews, is this cosmic book. It is grand in scope. It goes in, it almost feels like you're going into outer space with its immensity. Paul is thinking of the deep riches of God revealed in Christ. He's thinking of the cosmic redemption. I mean, he says in uh, Colossians 1, when he's in the hymn section in verses yeah, 15 yeah. to 20, he says that. Uh, in Christ, that he is reconciling all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having uh, been made, uh, been brought to peace through the blood of his cross. So you have this picture that all things in both heaven and earth are being brought together in Christ. And mm-hmm. So I think it's the largest of it. So if you want to get, if you want to preach through this book, the reality is that it will shake the church. I think out of its uh, myopic worldly focus you know i think particularly if you're coming out of this election season as we are in this country we can be mm-hmm. so focused on the ridiculousness of this world and what what it is for the potential transfer of presidency you can get so lost in those kind of things that you lose sight of the deep riches of the gospel and so this book paul just puts things to right and said and, and has such a massive view of christ that it pushes all the things that are lesser into their proper perspective. So I think just the highness that comes through in that is grand. And then this book is a great example of indicative into imperative. And what I mean by that is he starts out and says that you are in Christ and says that you are saved by faith in Jesus. He brings these things in. And then he gives these high callings to the church in chapters three and four. He talks about how the gospel influences the church and the home. I mean, he says these beautiful things in chapter three. Like, let me just read these verses. He writes, 
So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you also must do. In addition to all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ, to which you were indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Mm. I mean, these are just potent, life-giving verses that transform how we live together because we are in Christ. So what we see is the imperatives, the commands of the Christian life that flow out of our union with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Um, and I mean, I agree completely that the the theology of Jesus that exists in Colossians is uh, is very clear and and especially in those verses that you mentioned of, of chapter 1 uh, 15 to 20 um, <clears throat> so that being the case with with the high and lofty language that Paul is using I mean some even say that that is that was a hymn that, that people were singing uh, before Paul wrote it for the book of Colossians. But um, given, given the, the high and lofty language of Jesus, uh, the, what is it? The verse that you mentioned chapter two, uh, 14 and 15, uh, well, 13 dead in our trespasses. God makes us alive together with Christ. And he cancels the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands setting it aside, nailing it to the cross, and he disarms the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by him triumphing over them in him. From the book of Colossians in particular, what do we learn about the work of Christ on the cross uh, that that we can cling to and hold on to, maybe even in a uh, presented in a clearer manner than, than elsewhere? Um, I guess maybe the question I'm asking is, were, were it not for the book of Colossians, what about the cross would we be lacking? We, we might be lacking what is called Christus Victor. Um, if you're not familiar with this term, just think of it in the lens of all Jesus did was win, 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 no matter what. <laughs> whole life. Uh, Is that Derek Minor? Is that who you... No, no. Oh, okay, no, okay. You got to know your secular reference. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, on the cross... Jesus was not a victim on the cross. Jesus was not in control in any way. He, um, he was dominating. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, there was yeah. no, there was no contesting his throne at any point. And so on the cross, Jesus is not somehow being controlled by powers. He is destroying um, Satan on the cross. He is destroying our sin on the cross and he is bringing about the redemption of our souls. So, Mm-hmm. This this book just puts such a high view of Christ's dominance on display. Yeah. And I think we need that for our Christology. We're not looking at, it's not some random thing that Jesus was killed by lawless men and God looks down and goes, oh, well, I guess I'll take that. That might that might be sufficient for what I was hoping. Mm. And it, the, the cross was a plan from the foundation of the, before the foundation of the world that was fulfilled yeah. in Jesus. And he dominates um, sin, he dominates Satan, and fulfills God's purposes to conquer sit and death on the cross so it's it's all about victory in these texts so i think that's important to see 
let me just say this. I want I want I don't just want to speak on high lofty terms and not be practical about this book. I want to commend to you this thought with Colossians. Uh, I once heard John Piper say uh, that we cannot bring our pea shooters to fight against sin. We need to bring our machine guns. And I mm. think that's a helpful language. What I would say is this. Paul is clearly saying in this book that if you want to kill sin, if you want to actually see growth in holiness, do not be a legalist. If you are a legalist, you are bringing a peace shooter and you will be destroyed in this mm -hmm. war. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the end of Colossians chapter 2, Paul says in verse 23, these are matters which have the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. fleshly indulgence. Listen, your flesh is strong. Even as a Christian, the remnants of sin are potent. And if you try to bring puny legalistic ammunition, you're going to get steamrolled. What you need is a Christology of Christ conquering sin on the cross. So that, as Isaac Watts said, that he breaks the power of canceled sin. Mm. You need to know that your sin is canceled and that Jesus broke its power. So that as John Owen writes in his great mortification of sin, you can slice sin's throat and then walk over it every day of your life. So <laughs> do not bring little weapons to fight your sin. Yeah, Legalism yeah. is pathetic. And the yeah. thing about it is it promotes, I love how Paul just calls it out. It's a self-made religion. It acts like it's humble, but it's the most cocky, conniving little thing in the world. Yeah. Legalism is stupid mm. and it needs to be left alone. What you need is a potent gospel that will blow sin away. And this gospel that we see brought forward in Colossians actually can do that. And so Paul is telling you, do not bring the elemental man-made doctrines of this world to destroy the flesh. You need to bring the potency of the God-man who in, who in his flesh, fullness of deity was dwelling. Yeah, and in yeah. his work on the cross, he has so changed things that you, when you're brought in Christ and you have the hope of glory in you, mm -hmm. you are able to then live out chapters three and four you yeah, can do yeah. that because you actually have been saved in a more know i don't even there's no word i can use this high enough and in, in, in a way that makes legalism look what like it truly is it's a limp-wristed pathetic substitute mm. for the potent gospel of grace that it comes through the person and work of jesus mm. so that's what i would say if you're a christian yeah. who wants to live righteously understand that paul is giving you all that you need by giving you the revealed son of god who has come and conquered your sin so amen that amen that day by day. absolutely if if you've been you know maybe thinking how can i help those guys out at accessible theology um you could you could tweet out some quotes and if you're wondering what you could tweet out maybe something like legalism is stupid <laughs> or uh it it's a it's a limp wristed substitute and make sure you you tag us accessible theology uh, or or you know even even just at michael on 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 twitter and uh and that would be great we would love for you to to share some of those things uh but anyway that's uh that's a in context they are definitely true and great statements uh but anyway that's uh that's our discussion on the book of Colossians, and I, I just want to, I just want to finish our conversation by reiterating uh, chapter three, 
uh, versus I'll do one to four. It says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. If you've never taken the time to read the book of Colossians in its entirety, it'll take you 12 or 15 minutes. I would encourage you to do so. It, it is worth your time and uh, it will be it will be nourishment to your soul if you would do that. So, uh, if you have not done that, or if you have done it, go ahead and read through the book of Colossians uh, and let the Word of God uh, speak into your life. Uh, and as always, uh, until next time, we want to charge you to love God, know truth, and live accordingly.